Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and uh, what we uh, we could be talking about is uh, what's going on in the Ukraine. We have friends who live in the Ukraine, and uh, they've been talking to their own relatives, and of course, I followed some of the things that have been going on in the Ukraine, but we're not actually going to take up a lot of time in the show talking about that. We may talk about it this afternoon or we may be able to talk about it on a community call that we're going to have tomorrow, uh, which would be Sunday. I, I said I was going to be on it. I actually could go to another meeting locally where people are talking about the Declaration of Independence and, uh, and, uh, some of the early documents of America and, uh, they probably need me there, but I can't be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> because the reality is is almost everybody who even reads the Declaration of Independence doesn't even understand it. They don't understand the American history. We record uh, the events, uh, at least some of the events, which are actually also recorded in the congressional record of how people almost, well, over a 100 years ago, sat down and tried to figure out a way in which they could change the way in which Americans view history. And uh, they proceeded to do so, and they did a really good job at doing so, so that uh, today most Americans who think they understand, you know, like the Constitution, you know, is, uh, you know, divinely inspired. Uh, no, the Constitution actually is in opposition to what God told us to do about writing a Constitution. Now, I'm not against the Constitution. That's not the way it works. That's not how the kingdom of God works. I just understand what it is and what it's missing. Even uh, Patrick Henry said, uh, this document was written as if good men will take office. When bad men take office, they will steal your rights through ambuscade. That was prophetic. And he understood that there were things missing in the Constitution that were absolutely essential. The five items that the Bible tells you to put in a Constitution, if you want to have men who can exercise authority running your nation, uh, they only put four of them in the Constitution. Uh, they only put, excuse me, they only put one in the Constitution and they left four out of the Constitution and the one they put in the Constitution they don't pay any attention to anymore. So, the reality is the Constitution is not a biblical document. I think, uh, I think very highly of a lot of the men who uh, were participating in its authoring. Uh, I'm not against them. I'm not even against the Constitution. But I understand what it's missing. I I understand some things uh, about uh, the Ukraine that a lot of people are missing. The information that they are missing. People, there are people out there, I just heard it on the news just before the show started, where they're all wonderfully happy about the armaments that they have been sending to the Ukrainians to protect them against those bad, bad Russians. And uh, I don't believe that... Uh, Necessarily, Putin has the high ground, uh, but he has he has 
more right and reason to be there at the Ukraine and even within the Ukraine than the United States does. And the reality is, is that if you even go back to World War II, the Japanese entering the war. Now, the Japanese did horrible, horrible things to their own people, to the Koreans, to the Chinese, to the Malaysians, to the prisoners of war. Uh, they, they had a very superior attitude about themselves over the lives of other people. And that's what I see going on in the United States now. Uh, but the reality is what most people don't know is that uh, there was a plan by the powers that wanted to subjugate and change the way in which you view history and subjugate the American people so that they could be comfortably merged with a totalitarian government, which was going on way back in the early 1900s. There were people who were actually thinking that way. Uh, they were goading the Japanese into starting this war by cutting off their oil, by cutting off their uh, ability to ship materials into their country. And you could rationalize that some of that was a good thing, but the reality is it's people trying to exercise authority over other people. Whole nations exercising authority. And if you can't exercise authority over them by force, then you try to exercise authority over them in their minds. And that's actually what we're going to talk about, is the consciousness of man, and the conscience of man, and how how you should be governed in your own mind. Because what's happening is that you're not... You think you know already. You think you can decide what is good and evil. You think you understand that, you know, democracy is a great thing. And we point out even in articles on democracy that in the military manual back in the 1920s, democracy was a bad thing. It was warning us that democracy was dangerous. Because, of course, America was still had remnants of the republic. Now we have it only in name only, which we've explained over and over again. This is, this is a part of history. Even the Roman Republic that lasted for almost, well, at least 400 years, it was in serious decay by 150 BC. Um, but it was, it was dealt a, a death blow by Augustus Caesar, who became the first Caesar. He still used the rhetoric of a republic, but in reality, the republic was dead, and and there was an attempt. There was actually a real insurrection under the Caesars where they tried to restore the republic, and they tried to do it by force, and they thought that they could do it by force. But the, the very next, but it didn't work out because the very Praetorian Guard that was created mostly by Tiberius, uh, who was probably killed by, uh, Caligula, uh, when Caligula, wa- Caligula was killed and all, all the people who might seize the, the position of emperor were killed, all the children, <laughs> Uh, that might have a claim to the throne, the Praetorian Guard pulled uh, 
Claudius out from behind a curtain and they said, the emperor is dead. Behold the emperor. <laughs> he became the new emperor who adopted uh, a young man uh, named Nero who murdered Christians left and right <laughs> and, and robbed Rome. We've talked about Nero. The, it just went from bad to worse, from worse to worser <laughs> until it got to be the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. But Christians actually not only survived the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, they thrived during the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And they thrived because they actually believed what Jesus said. And they actually turned that belief in Jesus and what Jesus said into action. They became doers of the word. Unfortunately, uh, the Pharisees who were not doing what Moses said, they sat in the seat of Moses, but they were not doing what Moses said. Their error, which is known as the error of Balaam or the deeds of the Nicolaitans, are the error of modern Christianity today. So these people, because immediately after we heard the story from the reporter that they were so thrilled about the armaments sent to Ukrainians to kill Russians were being so effective and talking about the Ukrainians being so hardworking. You know, Ukraine is one of the richest resource nations in Europe. I mean, I could go through the statistics, but then this would show would become about the Ukraine. We'll save that for another time. But it is also for the people, those fighting tough Ukrainians, and there are some, I'm sure, that are fighting tough Ukrainians. They are also the poorest. Uh, almost, uh, I would say they are the poorest. I can't remember the data. I don't have it in front of me right now. But they are one of the poorest. I mean, they're, when, uh, we have all kinds of, you know, uh, Pelosi relatives and Biden relatives and I can't even remember all the politicians from Massachusetts that have their sons over there all making million dollar salaries for, for doing nobody can figure out what. The average income for those tough Ukrainians is like $3,000 a year. That's it. They, they are poor. They are impoverished. They are suffering. They are decimated. And it was the goal to decimate the population, the the uh, morality of Ukrainians. Now, always when they, these efforts are made, and they're being made in America, they were made in the black community. We see the breakdown of the family in the black community. That went from... You know, 3% single-parent families to uh, 67% single-parent families. We see that taking place, or actually 70, uh, 75% single-parent families. So we see all that taking place in uh, America, but we don't understand the cause of it. Well, the cause of it is the Christians are not really Christians. The follow-up story after the Ukraine on the news was China you know, not letting people talk about Christianity on the radio unless they have a permit, you know, and they can't they can't preach unless they have a permit. And that was one of the things that the local group wanted to have a copy of uh, 
Patrick Henry's speech, you know, give me liberty, give me death. Everybody likes that kind of, oh, like we're going to go get liberty. Well, if you haven't got Christ, you ain't going to get liberty. If you're not doing what Christ said to do, and Christians today are not, they ain't going to get liberty. You know, Patrick Henry wrote that speech because he rode into Culpeper, Virginia on a bareback horse, uh, barefooted himself. He was known as the barefoot lawyer by many people. And he saw a man in the public square, tied in the public square, whipped. His back was whipped until you could actually see the ribs in his back. He never survived that whipping. He died. Long before they whipped him, they threw him into a pit. He was jailed in a pit. That's how they made a jail. They didn't build a big stone building. They just dug a pit and threw you in it. People could come by and throw food down to you, but you're down in the pit. And they threw him in there. His crime was preaching without a license. This is the complaint that Patrick Henry was making when he wrote that speech, which he gave first in the Virginia Assembly and then eventually in the Continental Congress, that, uh, you know, the chains have been forged. Well, and it's always kind of bothered me, guys, who asking money to help out the church in China that can't preach unless they have a license. <laughs> well, I just, I'm just going to touch on a couple of items that have come to my attention. You know, I've been up. A long time this morning, but um, uh, like banking, banking in America, you say, "Well, I got a bank account." Yeah, and this guy's got a bank account, and that guy's got a bank account. Well, they all have a number in order to get that bank account. <laughs> they have a number, and if they don't get that number, they uh, they can't have a bank account. Now, legally, they could. But banks are making it more and more difficult for them to get that. But the reality is there's a lot of guys with that number who can't get bank accounts. We just saw truckers in Canada. Bank accounts were frozen. Now they're talking about doing that to the trucker convoy that's headed to Washington, D.C. All these guys headed to Washington, D.C. If they really understood the gospel of the kingdom, they would have a lot better chance of actually producing a good effect when they make their journey there. They feel inclined to do that, and I'm all for freedom of choice, so I'm all for them making that choice. But I'm for the gospel of the kingdom. If they understood what the gospel of the kingdom was, they would have a greater, far, far, far greater effect and be a lot less vulnerable to the repercussions. Same was the guys who were accused of insurrection or now languishing in prison. The woman, one of the women who organized the convoy in uh, Canada, last I heard, she was still in jail. Her accounts were frozen, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, she has no bail. They're not giving her bail. She's she's locked up in Canada. But the Antifa guy who ran his car through the crowd hitting people, I guess he didn't actually kill anybody, but he has certainly attacked them. He's out on bail. He's out on bail almost immediately. 
and this is all coming about in Canada because Canadians aren't real Christians. There are no, well, I'm not going to say there are no real Christians in Canada, but there's a lot of people in Canada who aren't real Christians who think they're Christians. And, of course, Jesus prophesied that. Of course, now I'm in America, and there's a lot of people in America who think they're Christians, but they're not doing what Christ said. And Jesus himself said, why call me Lord if you're not going to do the things that I said? If you were doing the things that he said, there would be a different story rolling out in your present day, writing a different history that your children can look back upon. But the history they're going to look back upon is that you betrayed them. You cursed them. And, of course, the Bible tells us that you will curse your children. They told us why you were going to curse your children and how you were going to curse your children and how you would become merchandise. But nobody I see in the churches are actually preaching that. I always remember years and years ago, I I was riding the train and there were a bunch of Amish people on there, and they were speaking in in uh, their kind of German-Dutch um, language, and I could make out little bits. I'm, I'm, I'm not fluent in that particular language, a Germanic language, and uh, which is a little bit, you know, the way they speak it, it's a little bit like Yiddish uh, in the Hebrew. If you know Hebrew, you might be able to pick out a little bit of Yiddish now and then, but it's not the same thing. But I was listening to them, and I, they were talking about the New World Order. This is like 25 years ago. <laughs> but the, they were better situated. They grow their own food. They take care of their own people. A lot of them don't collect Social Security. They, they are pretty independent. But in the days to come, it's going to be rough even for them. And the days to come, for many modern Christians, it's going to be lethal. And uh, they because they don't know what's actually happening. They don't know what's actually happening in relation to the gospel of the kingdom. They, they miss very basic elements that Christ taught, what we would call the doctrines of Jesus. Most of the churches have what you would call the doctrines of men. Uh, the, and the the thing is, the doctrines of the church have to be not the doctrines of men, but the doctrines of Jesus. Now, the doctrines of Jesus are what Jesus taught. It's not what we think he would have taught if he knew all the things that we knew because we read the Bible. It's what he actually taught. That is the doctrines of the church if we're talking about the church established by Jesus Christ, because the church established by Jesus Christ was established to propagate his doctrines. Not man's doctrines, but his doctrines. And certainly not the doctrines of the church established by Constantine. Because Constantine established a church. We have articles up. You can go to preparingyou.com. You can go to hisholychurch.org and, uh, there, you know, I've just added to the, the articles at preparingyou.com, numerous articles. And that's what we're going to go over today. We're going to go over the article on conscience, which I was actually just adding to within 30 seconds before we went on the air. 
<laughs> I will probably add to more. But I, I, I added to it last night at midnight and at two o'clock in the morning and again this morning at five o'clock. But I had to go in and out checking sheep on the desert because the government has brought wolves into our community. <laughs> and those wolves were running across our road right above the property in broad daylight. Wolves, a pack of wolves. And uh, that was brought to us by the government of the Fish and Wildlife in Oregon. So, but um, we're we're pretty safe here. At least we have been. Uh, we are concerned about calves out on the desert. But uh, it, the interesting thing is that the there's a there's a collar on these wolves in the Fish and Wildlife. They see the wolves coming into our community and coming near the homes and coming near the livestock in the middle of calving and lambing. And they don't tell you about it. <laughs> they just sit and watch it happening. It's kind of like Ukraine. <laughs> and we're arming, your tax dollars are arming wolves on both sides of that conflict. They have been goading the Soviet Union into doing this. And I'm just going to briefly mention it, but I'm not going to get into it. I won't even, even tell you exactly what is behind the scenes uh, when I'm talking to you on the air. That is saved for the living network, which is what Christ told us all to create. He told us to create a living network by sitting down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands which we've added to some of the pages that explain that because in conversations with home churchers, they think that somehow or other we're stretching the words of Christ when we mention the words of Christ. Because <laughs> Christ commanded his disciples to make the people organized in that fashion. We see the people organized in that fashion in the early church. And that continued for hundreds of years in the early church. Uh until the Church of Constantine, who organized the people in a completely different way. And if you look at modern Christianity, they're organized like Constantine said to do it, and no longer organized like Christ said to do it. But even if you go to the early American Revolution, you know, your your uh, Paul Revere's and everything, when they're warning the British are coming... They're warning the British are coming through a network of tens, hundreds, and thousands... Ten fifties, hundreds, and thousands. They had such a network in early America. You're not going to be taught that in your history books today, in your public schools today. But that actually is the case. They were still doing the tens, hundreds, and thousands in early America. And that's how they were able to have an American Revolution that defeated the largest army in the world which was the Great Britain's army, which had to end up depending upon Hessians, <laughs> and who eventually were so impressed by Americans that many of those same Hessian troops who were fired on by Americans came to, once they finished their, their uh, stint in the military, came and became Americans. <laughs> but... We don't know what the Americans were even doing, but so we're going to talk about the conscience of Christ and what you need to be a free society because nobody else is teaching you that except for I, I, there may be somebody else out there. If you can find them, let me know. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. 
Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we're going to talk about the this conscience and tithing and conscience and how the kingdom of God works to try to give you a little bit different uh, or clearer understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. And, of course, Moses and Jesus Christ were in agreement. There were doctrines that Moses said, and Jesus even mentions them, you know, like divorce. Uh, he says, Moses gave you divorce because of the hardness of your hearts. Now, this is an important, you know, one of the important distinctions there is that Moses gave them Divorce. It didn't say God gave you divorce. As a matter of fact, it goes on to say that from the beginning it was not so. That he made you man and woman and no more twain but one. That that was the corporation of God on the face of the earth was this thing we call the family. And I've added a new page on family. That uh, so that people and we're constantly building. You you should use preparing you at a regular. We're putting uh, articles up. We're putting audios up so you can listen to them. You can download them and listen to them at your leisure. You can put them on your phone uh, and go over this stuff. And there's all kinds of because there's articles there. There's footnotes and those footnotes will take you to all kinds of information. But you have to. Ultimately, you do not want to be eating from the tree of knowledge that we offer you. And it's there. That tree of knowledge was put in the garden for a reason. It wasn't to be the source of your information. I mean, I shouldn't say the information. It was full of information, but it wasn't a source of your decisions. It wasn't the source for building your conscience. It's it's there. It's, it includes information. It is part of your mind. But it, but it is also a temptation if you start to use the tree of knowledge as the source where you're eating from that and deciding what is good and evil based on the knowledge in your head. What you want is to be discovering what is good and evil through revelation that comes to you by way of the tree of life. That word tree of life, the word life. And we go into this in this article already. And we already have in, in articles about the tree of life this this word life. And it's different here in that particular Genesis verse than it is in a lot of other places. They use a particular set of Hebrew letters to create this word tree of life. And this idea of life was breathed into us by God. And when Jesus comes out of the tomb, he breathes on the apostles and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And this is very important to understand this process of seeing what is good and evil because you're no longer sitting in darkness but you have the light of the Holy Spirit that fire of the Holy Spirit showing you the truth now you can deceive yourself into thinking 
that you know the truth. And of course, over there in that tree of knowledge and good and evil, if you are subject to your own vanity and pride, you will imagine that you are seeing the truth. But it's a concocted truth. It's concocted by information and knowledge and uh, facts that uh, you have gleaned from the branches of the tree of knowledge. And so, but we're presenting you with knowledge. We're presenting you with information. So how are we not contributing to the same problem? Well, that is not our intent. We're only putting up this information to show you what you've been missing. The reason you have been missing the, the fullness of the gospel, the full truth of the gospel is that you've been eating from the tree of knowledge and they have been regulating what you see and what you hear and what you understand. Like we said at the beginning of the show, way back in the early 1900s, 1908, there were men meeting. You go to our article on schools as tools. They were meeting to decide how to change the way in which Americans viewed history. They succeeded in changing the way Americans viewed history. Before they dumbed down your children with critical race theory, they were dumb, dumbing down your grandparents with a different false view of the early America and what made America great. We have lots of articles that show where the greatness that was in America was coming from. There was also evil in America. But there was there was something that made America a special place that allowed it to make all kinds of changes to, that rippled throughout the whole world. Uh, they were able to invent things that nobody else could see and nobody else could understand, and they were able to implement them. You know, they they took that knowledge and implemented them and changed the face and prosperity of the whole world. And that's one of the things I was I was going to mention to you that twice in Putin's speech, and now more times because he's added to that, he has said that this is all set up. This is a set up deal. Going back when they were cutting off water to Russia, Ukraine was cutting off water to Russia, uh, and and trying to, and they were only doing it because of all these other powers that had been manipulating the oligarchs of the Ukraine while the people were in poverty. And they, they because they were not organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands according to the Spirit of Christ, although I would suspect that it's probably growing in the Ukraine somewhere. Remember, it grew in Rome, and even though only about 5% of the Roman Empire ever became Christians. It altered the course of history. Christianity has that power. Well, just They don't need 51% of the people to become Christian. You only need like 5% and you can alter the course of history. But it has to be real Christians, not Constantinian Christians, not the fake Christians that we have today that w- believe the doctrines of men, but ignore the doctrines of Christ. It actually even denounce the doctrines of Christ. And that was originally what this show was going to be about, is the doctrines of Christ. But last 
uh, or at least yesterday, God said, no, we're going to talk about this other thing. <laughs> well, we'll get to the doctrines of Christ uh, if if the world does not go into destruction. But Putin mentioned cutting-edge technology. That's the translation in his Russian speech. He mentioned that numerous times. That this is about stealing that cutting-edge technology that the Russians now have that they want to steal. The reality is that cutting-edge edge technology is around on both sides of the uh, equation. I don't know if uh, Putin even knows that. Maybe he does. I couldn't tell from his speech. But the reality is they have access to that cutting-edge technology as well. You don't know about it. They don't tell you about it. <laughs> but it's out there. But the reason they don't want to just steal it so they will have it too. They already got it. But they do want to keep Russia from having it because, you know, you can, you can go down the list. America has invaded Panama, Granada, um, Afghan, uh, Iraq, uh, Actually, by proxy, it invaded Tonga. Most people don't even know where that is. <laughs> Was it Tonga? Am I getting that right? I think it is Tonga. It's a little little place out in the middle of uh, the Pacific. What 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 was going on there? Libya. Why why were they going into Libya? Oh, because you know, Gaddafi was a tyrant. No, none of those countries had a federal reserve system. They they. Most of them all do now. Syria doesn't isn't part of the banking system. And who else? Russia. Russia, not that they're saints or anything, but they're opposed to the Great Reset. They want Russia for Russians. They uh, and they have technologies that they want to take away from Russia. They want to cripple Russia so it's not dangerous. I don't know. The Chinese might have it too. Chinese are only backing Russia because they want to invade Taiwan. It's not because of any love loss between them. We're headed for a lot of trouble no matter how you look at it. But the solution isn't in geopolitics, even though I'm mentioning some information about geopolitics. And why this technology is important to them to me, what's important is you need to repent so that you can find your Zephaniah. We just somewhat finished our uh, study of Zephaniah. And uh, I may even put this recording up there because we have added to our study of Zephaniah. But in chapter 2, it says, gather yourselves together. This is what Christ said. This is why he had this command to his disciples to make them gather together in these tens, hundreds, and thousands. Gather yourself together. And and what are the bonds of gathering yourself? You're supposed to all sign a contract so that now you have to contribute to one another. Or no, no. You gather yourself together in the spirit of Christ and the spirit of Moses where you love one another. And you stop coveting one another's goods. That is absolutely essential to success. That is where the real power is. Not in the technology that they're keeping secret from you. And they think they can get. Because your ultimate enemy is Satan himself. The adversary of God. The Beelzebub of this world. That, that ultimately that's your, your physical enemy. 
which has this technology <laughs> and more probably you know but the reality is your salvation is this what Zephaniah was talking about what all the prophets were talking about what Moses was talking about the Basra of righteousness this is where your real protection is going to come from I said the wolves are in I mean you know crossing the road right above us that's close for wolves <laughs> And yet, I I think we're somewhat protected here. But, yeah, we have fences up, but wolves could get over fences and all that stuff. And we do bring the sheep in at night, at least into closer fences. But I know that real protection comes through the Holy Spirit. That actually can put up physical barriers of protection. The, the evil that is is trying to gain control over this world, lives in darkness. And so when we're telling you the truth of the gospel of the kingdom, and you receive that truth and become a doer of the word and start doing what Christ commanded, what Moses said, loving thy neighbor as thyself, not just emotional love sitting in the pew, but real love, real sacrifice. The word love is the same word that often when Paul uses it, they translate charity. And charity is sacrifice. The word grace is charis in the Greek, and that's where we get the word charity. But the, the charity that Paul is talking about is sacrifice, which love is sacrifice, where you give up some of your life so that others may live. That's a part, that's built into nature. We're lambing now and calving now. We see that some sheep, they give up their fears, their anxieties, their time, their energy to take care of their lambs. They sacrifice their life, which is what? Eight, nine, ten years, and the sheep is going to die. But during that time, it may produce more sheep that will become a part of the herd. They live for the herd, not just for themselves. The sheep that just lives for itself becomes, you know, coyote bait or what we call, well, I guess we could call wolf bait now. <laughs> I guess the wolves are now in the valley and not just the coyotes and mountain lions and bobcats that we always deal with. The government has actually brought wolves from northern Canada, timber wolves that have never, ever lived in this area from northern Canada and have released them um, in our community. And, of course, that's going on. Uh, another story. You know, I was talking to you just a moment ago about these people that are put in prison because they protested, peacefully protested. They're insurrectionists. They're evil. They're put in prison. Other people that go charging through th- them with uh, vehicles, they're released. That's kind of like the wolves brought into your community. <laughs> But uh, somebody, uh, Glenn Beck it was, who was uh, talking to the Attorney General of Texas saying that what can we do about the government uh, causing banks to seal or uh, seize Americans' accounts, truckers' accounts, and so that they can't have accounts anymore. And, uh, and he said, this is the Attorney General of Texas said, well, he had that happen to him. He's on a list. And he's gone to Washington, D.C. to find out how he got on the list. 
where he is considered, I can't remember exactly how they put it, but some sort of a risk. Because he's, he's conservative. <laughs> so, and Chase, I think Chase was the bank that he was with. He closed all his accounts. He had to find other means of banking. And those doors are going to be closing. This is the Attorney General of Texas who goes to Washington and say, why are they doing this to me? Closing my accounts. This is the tip of the iceberg, folks. And the United States, as whatever it was before, America has to be brought down the same as Russia has to be brought down because evil wants no opposition. And uh, whatever good that uh, Putin may have in him is destroyed by the fact that he is still operating according to the ways of Caesar. He, I think he legitimately wants to protect Russian interests. And I don't really think he wants to occupy uh, the Ukraine. But he doesn't want NATO occupying it either. His demand is that all the military armaments that are being brought in by NATO are removed. And he doesn't want to remove the government of of the Ukraine or anything, but he wants influence because of the fact that the other people have had influence over Ukraine, which, like I said, is cut off water and cut off other things that are going on. And uh, the fact is the standard of living from people in the Soviet Union has increased. I shouldn't say Soviet Union, Russia. The Soviet Union is somewhat down. But the spirit that allowed the Soviet Union to rise up to begin with is still there. The reality of, of NATO coming into the Ukraine and putting armaments in the Ukraine, and like he says, their their goal is to steal Russian cutting-edge technology, quote-unquote, uh, is not much different than when the Soviets were bringing nuclear weapons on to the Cuban soil. And we said, no, you can't do that. And that's really what Russia is saying, is that you've got to take your NATO uh, equipment off of this border country to us because it's a threat to us. And we've been meddling in the politics of the Ukraine and uh, politicians in America who are, you know, if you think you know what's going on in the Ukraine, you probably thought you knew what was going on when they first started talking about COVID, when when Ferguson came out with uh, this these st- statistic data that millions and millions would die in America, millions would die in Great Britain because of this COVID, even though he received $250,000 from Bill Gates the year before he came out with those predictions, <laughs> and then a later was fired because he was sleeping with one of his uh, students. But he came out with that, and the media all ran with those numbers, and nobody could figure out where he was getting those numbers from. But the reality is, just recently, the Great Britain came out and admitted that only about 15,000 people have actually died of COVID from the beginning in Great Britain. So, where did they get all these numbers? Well, the media is not telling you the truth. Uh, They... Your churches aren't, haven't been telling you the truth. Your public schools have not been teaching you the truth for generations. 
So to get you to understand the truth requires that you actually start becoming a doer of the word and seeking the kingdom of God and being willing to repent. In other words, think differently. So like I said in Zephaniah, it says, gather yourselves together. And he means to gather yourselves together like Christ said. And he says, before the decree bring forth, before the day passes as the chaff, because time is running out. By verse 4, he says, the strong shall be forsaken and shall be weighed by desolation of the powerful at the noonday. Bad things are coming. And I don't want you to seek the kingdom because bad things are coming. I want you to seek the kingdom of God because this is the only way you'll really see it. Because you are willing to start loving one another instead of coveting one another's goods through the agency of men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other because Christ said it was not to be that way with you. And Zephaniah warns you that woe unto the inhabitants. And, uh, you know, anyway, we explain a lot of that in the text, but then I've added more footnotes so that you can actually see how these words, how a word that is normally reshtav yad in Zephaniah becomes vav hey elef beit reshtav yad delet. <laughs> add all these letters because they're telling you something. They, they mean something. And we don't know what that is. And even though you may intellectually study it, we're just showing you that how much you're missing, how much they're not telling you uh, in, in the text so that you don't really understand the text. Why is this destruction coming? Because they started to follow the ways of Sodom, which was a social welfare state. They started, they created this welfare state which coveted their neighbor's goods. Which is why you go to Abraham and he says, I'm not even going to take a buckle. I'm not taking anything. I mean, the king comes out and says, give us the people, we'll give you all the stuff. He says, I'm not taking anything. Are your pastors warning you about coveting your neighbor's goods? Through the agency of men who exercise authority like the king of Sodom, like FDR, like LBJ? They're not telling you about that. They're saying it's okay. Uh, but it's not. That is the way of the Nicolaitan, the way of Balaam, the way of Assyria, Nineveh. And it will bring destruction, and it is bringing destruction. So unless we deal with that, which is a part of the doctrines of Jesus Christ, uh, of the fact that we have not been loving one another, caring for one another, doing right by one another, and, of course, that is where this whole conscience thing should be coming from. So, what did I write about conscience? The word conscience in the English language is said to mean a cognitive process that elicits emotions and rational associations based on individual moral philosophy or value system. Well, of course, we need, if we're going to be Christians, we need the value system of Christ. And he talked a lot about that. He valued forgiveness. He valued charity. He valued love for one another. He, he val- valued humility. Not vanity and pride. And, you know, like, we're the greatest country in the world. He didn't value those things. He knew that those things would darken the eyes, darken the mind. So that we would not see the evil coming. 
So, the moral philosophy of the kingdom is the moral philosophy of Jesus Christ. And the moral philosophy of Jesus Christ, if we look at it, you know, Jefferson, who wanted to write the Bible with only the red print. <laughs> well, of course, you know, people can criticize Jefferson in a lot of different ways. And I find him a fascinating individual. I'd love to have a conversation with him. But uh, the reality is, is that the doctrines of the church are the red letters of the Bible. It doesn't mean we don't look at the rest of the Bible and study the rest of the Bible, but the doctrines of the church established by Jesus Christ must be the doctrines of Jesus Christ. And so our moral philosophy comes from that. And I believe that Paul and all of them are in accordance with that. And that's what we'll talk about and have talked about. And as we return to Keys of the Kingdom to find out what is this conscience We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we're talking about this thing called conscience. And, and you can have a conscience, you know, like a, we've talked about this before years and years ago, is that if you were raised as a cannibal in some distant land, you might feel guilty if you do not eat all of the missionaries you've cooked in your pot. Now, this is just a metaphor. But the reality is, is that that's a social conscience. Uh, maybe a better example is, uh, you know, uh, Mark Twain's uh, Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry Finn decides to help Jim escape to his family. Uh, and he thinks he is sinning when he does it. He thinks he will be condemned if he helps Jim like them low-down abolitionists. At least in the conversation in Mark Twain's book, this is the way he presents it. He knows he will be condemned as an evil abolitionist, but he doesn't care. He's going to help Jim anyway. (laughs) And of course, the morality of Hug Finn is, is greater than that of most of the people, at least or some of the people at that time in the South. And we see that as the book unfolds. But actually even Jim risks his own life to save Huck. <laughs> so he's one of the higher moral characters of the story. But yet we have people who read it and want to ban Huck Finn because he thinks that Oh, he's making out the black man as superstitious. He's making out the black man as the highest moral agent of the book. <laughs> and the the white uh, uh, guys who come on board their raft as the low-down guys or the people where there was this feud going on in a community that they they passed through on their trip down. Those were the moral lowlifes. But other people reading it cannot see that because their consciences are seared. They're already affected. They're already born of the tree of knowledge. And so anyway, now I'm coming to you and talking to you about the fact that what is the morality of Christ? What is the conscience of Christ? We just read at the end of the first hour that uh, this 
this thing we call conscience in the English language is defined as a cognitive process. That's a mental process that elicits certain emotions and rational associations based on an individual's moral philosophy or value system. So the conscience is a product of your moral philosophy and value system. Your moral philosophy and value system is a product of what? Is that a product of the tree of knowledge or the tree of life? Is it the result of your brain power? Or is it a result of the revelation of the Holy Spirit being breathed into you? Entering into you? Well, well, we can take a look at that on an intellectual basis. And some of you might even take a look at that on a spiritual basis. But it may require some repentance to see the truth of the answer that we're looking for. And you need the answer in your own hearts, in your own minds. And so this is your journey. I'm just, I'm just rambling on about these things. And we spend a whole hour just to get up to the beginning of this article on conscience. But so, this moral philosophy, where does the moral philosophy come from? The morals of an individual, according to another definition, is based or concerned, actually, if you're on that page, you can re- refresh it because I changed it during the break. <laughs> but uh, the moral of an individual is concerned with the judgment of right and wrong, of human action and character. Well, the judgment of right and wrong, isn't that deciding what is good and what is evil? So how are you deciding what is good and evil? Are you doing it from the information you have, the tree of knowledge? Because people are feeding you all kinds of knowledge that ain't so. We saw that with COVID. We're seeing that with the Ukraine. We're seeing that with with the gospel for the last hundred years. They've been feeding you the doctrines of men as if that's the doctrines of Christ. And it's easy to determine what the doctrines of Christ are in many Bibles because they're in red. <laughs> it's what Jesus said. That's Doctrine means teaching. It doesn't say the dogma of Jesus. That's an important distinction. It says the doctrines of Jesus. We'll get into that distinction later. So this cognitive process of conscience may be produced by more than one source. Tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There, and if it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you can't be on every branch of that tree at one time. So, you know, most people can't juggle more than two ideas in their head. Some can't juggle more than one idea in their head at one time. They, they just don't have the ability. So, what is, what is the truth? As Pontius Pilate says, what is the truth? Well, how do you find it? Do you find it in the tree of knowledge? Now, the tree of knowledge was put in the garden. This is the thing that always was amazing to me. If God didn't want us to eat of it, why did he put it there? Well, that that has many layers to the answer to that question. But the fact is, is that we are given a brain to think with. But we are also given the breath of God and this tree of life, which is the spirit of God that we should be eating from to determine what is good and evil, not with our brains, 
but with that divine revelation. This is what the Holy Spirit does. These are metaphors. And we're going to see that in the, as we go through this study, there's lots of metaphors that are used, I mean, phenomenally used, back to the kidneys. The share the Levite gets in the animal sacrifice where we pile up stones and, and kill sheep. The Levites get the kidneys. Well, we're going to find out again uh, what the kidneys really are. Because it's not what most people, what, what the Pharisees were thinking. But anyway, there, there may be at least two ways to determine what is right and wrong. Or what is good and what is evil. Uh, from an original biblical point of view, which is the tree of life. The first way was dependent on what was metaphorically called the tree of life. And was also, there was also this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what were we supposed to eat from and not eat from? And still today, many people are teaching doctrines that are clearly the product of the tree of knowledge. They have constructed doctrines. What they teach, what they say are the tenets of the church, based on their private interpretation of statements in the Bible, which is there. The the Bible is there, like the tree of knowledge is there. Like your brain is there. And you're supposed to use it, but it's not the source of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Even the red letters that you read are all translated from other languages, and you could be deceived even with the red letters because you don't, you can't juggle all the red letters in your mind at the same time. I don't know how many times I've quoted the red letters of what Jesus said, and people say, well, I didn't know he said that. Is that in the Bible? They've read it many times, but they don't even know that Jesus said that. How how is that not in your head? And and like when I I pointed out that you know the home churches who were trying to figure out uh, how do we have a home church and all this stuff, and and I pointed out that you're supposed to organize in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands, and if and this is what the early church did. And because of that, they were able to have a social welfare system that reached all the way across Europe and the Roman Empire. And that was going to be absolutely essential because they were docks. They were pushed out. They could not receive the free bread from the government of Rome. They probably were excluded from the banks of Rome, which is, of course, why we see in Acts, uh, Peter is saying... Find seven men you trust and we will put them over this waiting on tables. Now, that word tables there is the word translated in the Bible, bank. Yeah, like bank, you know, banks and bankers. (laughs) And he says that it's not right that we run the bank. So you pick seven men and we'll put them over this matter of running the bank because we need to get funds from Syria and from Galatia and get them over to, you know, at, well, the Galatians are Greeks, but say in Jerusalem, we need to get funds to the Greeks because the daily ministration of the Greeks over there in Greece is being neglected. They're having one of those famines, one of those dearths. Uh, 
and we need to help them out. How do we help them out? You know, maybe they're out of food. Maybe they're out of bread. Bread's going to go up to $10 a loaf. Not too long from now. I mean, you can already see the price of grain. I looked at price of grain, 100-pound bag used to be, you know, a bushel of wheat, which is like 60 pounds, used to be about $4 at the farm. $4.23, I can remember that. Well, now, a 100-pound bag of grain, they don't even make 100-pound bags anymore because we're all too weak. We used to, in Canada, they used to have 120-pound bags. <laughs> but uh, now they only have 50-pound bags. Well, a 100-pound bag would cost you not $4. It would cost you $46, based on what I saw in the store yesterday. $46. Well, actually, you could probably get uh, some of the, the bags, uh, if you go to a certain place, you probably get them for about $30 for 100 pounds. But I, I can actually remember when a sack of wheat was, uh, you know, three bucks. That's That's what you'd pay. So that's going up, but it's not going up. It's the dollar going down. The dollar is going down because of all your stimulus packages and the borrowing and your Federal Reserve and your unjust weights and measures. And it's just, I mean, all the things that you've been doing wrong for a hundred years is now catching up with you, which is what we talked about in Zephaniah. And the answer is you need to start eating of the tree of life and less of the tree of knowledge. And I'm only giving you knowledge so that you realize the knowledge you have been given already just ain't so, to quote Mark Twain again. And I guess it's not just Mark Twain's quote, but anyway, he did say it. We see these two trees that were placed in the midst of a place called a garden. So what's a garden? Trees were sources in the Hebrew mind. In the Hebrew mind, they, they thought of a tree as a source. I mean, you could get wood, or you can get... Firewood, you can get wood to make a bow, you can get wood to make a spear, you can get wood to make a house. You can, trees were sources. You can get food, you can get, I mean, you can actually eat the bark, uh, not the outer bark, but just the immediate inner bark in almost every pine tree in North America. There are some places where you can't do that, and you have to be careful because we have brought pine trees from other countries, but the native trees in America can actually eat the bark. And it's, it's, I wouldn't make a steady diet of it, but it could save you. But the reality, trees are sources. That's the point. And in the garden, there are two sources for deciding good and evil. And one, you decide what is good and evil by the knowledge in your mind. And the other one, you're inspired to know what is good and evil. And that's where you want to be. How do you get there? How do you get the Holy Spirit to enter into you? We have to be born again, which we've already got an article on that, born again. It, it doesn't translate born again. The actual tr- literal translation is born from above. That's born from the Spirit, living of the Spirit, not of the flesh. Because the flesh is full of deception. So anyway, we see, you know, I point out that this, uh, you know, like the word for life or alive in the Hebrew is chet yad. That's it. Two letters, chet yad. 
But in this reference to the tree of life, you know, there's one word for tree, but the word life there by itself is hey, chet, yod, yod, mem. Double yod with a mem. And mem has to do with flow. Yod has to do with the relationship of God and man. So, this is very important that our life needs to come from God. Our doctrines need to come from God. Our understanding needs to come from God, this divine revelation of the Holy Spirit. Not from other men contriving doctrines of men and saying, oh, you have to believe these doctrines we have written down that we have privately interpreted from the Bible. And if you don't believe them, we're going to cut you out. Just like the bankers are saying, no, you can't have any accounts here because you don't think right. You don't think like we do. You're on this list. Like the Attorney General of Texas is on this list. So he can't, he can't get bank accounts in Chase Manhattan. Uh, I, I don't know, is it called Chase Manhattan? Chase Bank anyway. So what's going on? This is gonna, we're just, again, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. So also this word knowledge and tree of knowledge, the word normally is doth, which is delet an tov. Which is interesting in itself, the, the fact that there's a tov in this word knowledge. Because we're supposed to have knowledge of God, faith in God. Is that what that knowledge means? But we have often faith in the tree <laughs> of knowledge. Faith in our own minds, you see. And so you don't want that. So they would they would just about have to add another letter to that, wouldn't they? To, to make it so that we understand. But of course, he's talking about the tree of knowledge having faith in your own ability to figure out what is good and evil. That's how these guys come to the idea that they can create their own doctrines. And then they can make other people, take away the right of other people to choose to believe their private interpretation or not. And and there's a whole list of these, and we'll go over them because I'm preparing for that as well. But let's get through this idea of conscience because there's some amazing revelations in this. And these verses, this word contains extra letters too, which is the extra letter of hay. But there's all these words like garden. Is Was it really a garden? And, and what does that word garden mean? Because it, this word midst of the garden. So there... We have these two additional words, and guess what? Those words have additional letters added to them, like be it and hey. See, this this knowledge, this tree of knowledge, is not the knowledge of God. This is the knowledge of your own mind. And it's there, it's given to you, it's a gift, but it's not to be the source. So if we, we look at the word midst, as in midst of the garden, we can see that normally it actually also has a tov. It has this kof, uh, well, tov, uh, vav, kof. But again, they add this extra letter in there. And the, the same with uh, this other word for garden that we see in the text, um, which is, um, let's see, what was that? Oh, it was Gimel Nun. 
And Gimel is this cause and effect. Nun has to do with a fish swimming in some sort of mem water. So you have those two letters there. But again, we have an extra letter added into this. But if you look at this word uh, Gimel Nun, it is from another word. And and we can look at that other word and find out what that means. It has to mean with defend, cover, surround. So this is what why they have this word garden there. We we translate it garden. That's gimel nun nun. Uh, so that you have this cause and effect, and we can take you back really quick to Zephaniah. What was Zephaniah? Zephaniah was a hiding place. A protected place. You are protected because you're hidden. When you are hidden by God, you are not hidden in a dark place. You are hidden in the light. Because the creatures of the dark are afraid of the light. They hate the light. But the creatures of the dark want you to love darkness too. They want you full of vanity, full of pride, so that you will not admit where you're wrong, where you're in the error of Balaam or doing the deeds of the Nicolaitan. They don't want you to admit that. They don't want you to see that. They want you to stay in the dark about that. They don't want you to repent of those covetous practices that they have led the whole world into. We talked about 1908 where they began to alter the way in which public schools were teaching history. They just began in 1908. The real progress was made during World War I and World War II. And that's where we see great strides in changing. And now they've made so many changes that people are... You know, that they're starting to notice it with like critical race theory and they think, oh, we stopped that critical race theory. Now we'll send all our kids back to public education again. They don't even know that most public education before 1900s was paid for by charity, not by taxation. Because to take, to create schools, to create welfare, to create social security or national insurance by taxing your neighbor is coveting your neighbor's goods. All as soon as you start doing that, you're moving from the light of the tree of life into the darkness of the tree of knowledge. Because you're doing the absolute opposite of the doctrines of Jesus Christ who said, you are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. You are not to be engaged in covetous practices. Because... Peter tells you those covetous practices will curse your children and make you merchandise. It will return you to the bondage of Egypt. That's where all these people are today. They're back in the bondage of Egypt. They're thinking, we're fighting for freedom and democracy while they pay far more to the government by force than the Israelites paid to the Pharaoh when they're in bondage of Egypt. Bondage of Egypt, you only had to give 20% of your labor to the government. And that was called bondage, slavery. And we were never to go back to that. All Americans have gone, all U.S. citizens at least, have gone back to that. Now, I'm not saying not to pay your tax. Pay what you owe. But repent. 
and start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, and Christ gave us a plan by which to do this. And, but unfortunately, many, uh, people, Americans, Chinese, uh, uh, Ukrainians, <laughs> you know, the, actually, uh, Christianity has had a great revival. The churches in Russia have had a great revival because Putin realizes that unless we have a moral people, we cannot have, uh, we, we cannot be a success as a nation. I don't know that Putin understands exactly what a moral person is. He's just trying to get people using religion, much like uh, Americans use it, Canadians use it, to create some sort of bonds in society other than the KGB. Because that makes a lot of work for the KGB. If you can get the people to think they're right, which is the job of most modern churches, to think that you're righteous then you won't have that problem of actual, uh, the people who actually are seeking the righteousness of God. See, if you're desiring the benefits, if you're sitting and eating with rulers, Proverbs, you're sitting and eating with rulers to get the dainties of rulers, men who exercise authority. Proverbs tells you to put a knife to your throat because he serves you deceitful meats. Proverbs tells you that this Having one purse, consenting to have one purse where you get to reach into the pocket of your neighbor or the purse of your neighbor to get the stuff that you want so that you can have free education, free health care, free welfare. To do that, that one purse is a covetous practice and you will be captured in the very net of your own making. So, they, they're just telling you this over and over again. Moses told us, Proverbs told us, Zephaniah told us, all the prophets told us, Peter told us, Jesus told us, John the Baptist said, don't take care of the needs of your society, the pure religion of your society, according to James, through force, but do it through charity. Americans used to do it through charity. They no longer do it through charity. They do it through force. Through Forcing the contributions of their neighbor. Until we repent of that. Till we see that that leads us into darkness. That co- those covetous practices will make us merchandise. Have made us merchandise. Curse our children. We will not be free. But if you think like your churches tell you that this is the freest country in the world. You're mistaken. You're You're not. Not that all the other countries haven't gone the same way, but you're certainly not following Christ. You're not going the ways of righteousness. You're going the ways of unrighteousness. because, And they're getting you to do it because your conscience has been sheared. And part of that is to get you to eat of the tree of knowledge, to, to create these doctrines of men. And you say, well, I believe in the doctrines of the church, but they're not actually the doctrines of the church. They're the doctrines that men have created by often not listening. You know, like this is something I pointed out many times. And we're about running out of time in this half hour, but we can talk about it more when we come back. But this idea of, you know, their churches and what do they call them, their their documents of faith or whatever they very seldom quote Christ they're always quoting and telling you what you're supposed to believe 
But they don't even tell you that Christ said to live by faith, hope, and charity. But we'll be right back. So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, we're talking about this thing, conscience, and that rests somewhere in our minds. But what is the source of that conscience? Is that conscience merely an ideology that we have created and often worship as if it is of God when it's actually of our own imagination? I mean, isn't that the essence of idolatry is that you create an image and then you worship that image before we build a building or a structure or a statue or anything, we create an image of it in our minds. We draw pictures of it on on paper and then we make the plans to build this thing. This, this idolatry was almost always, as far as I can see, everywhere in history has always been connected with institutions. That use certain symbols to say, you know, this is this institution or that institution. Like, you know, some uh, inn would have a picture out front that would uh, be a picture that represents the name of the inn. For the people who didn't read, they would see the picture and they'd say, oh, this is the inn of the pale horse or the inn, uh, the inn of happiness, uh, or the whatever. And uh, they would see some picture that would relate to that. And, of course, you go back to the very first languages like Chinese. And uh, you'll see that there are pictograms that where they draw a picture. I mean, it, it's kind of fascinating that they, the word for naked in Chinese is, if I remember, I, I'm trying to picture it in my mind, <laughs> is uh, actually formed from two pictures which is the picture for man and the picture for fruit. And that produces the picture for the word for naked. Whoa, wait a minute. Uh, The man ate the fruit and he realized he was naked. (laughs) So, Is that connected? I mean, actually, you can look at one of their words for a very large boat. Uh, is actually composed of uh, words that have to do with, I think, like the number eight and people. And uh, I think they have one other part. They would add sometimes just a little line, but well, Noah's Ark supposedly had eight people in it. And so they're in the Chinese writing. (laughs) They have these things that are actually connected to the teachings of the Bible. But when we got there, they didn't have the Bible that we have today that came down to us through Eusebius. But yet, incorporated in their language before we even got there was these things that seemed to be connected to the teachings in the Bible. So, anyway, back to this idea of, uh, uh, on the other hand, this... uh, you know, this tree of knowledge and this tree of life, where do they all come from? These definitions that uh, of this modern term, conscience, also includes this idea that it stands in contrast, our conscience stands in contrast to the elicited emotions or thoughts due to the association based on immediate sensory perception and reflective responses as in uh, sympathetic central nervous system responses. 
well, what does all that mean? Uh, well, like you can, you can desire to eat something. You're hungry. You feel hungry. And so here's some food. You can go and eat that food. But if you eat that food, then you won't have that food anymore. And you look around and you see your kids don't have enough food to eat themselves. And you actually won't eat that food. You make the conscious decision not to eat that food so that your children will have enough to eat. That's conscience. The immediate sensory perception is food, hungry, I eat it. Now, actually, I see people making that decision all the time. They will eat it. They neglect their children. (laughs) You know, and it's what we would call a cull in the herd. If they won't take care of their young, you, they end up in the pot. Uh, and of course, that, that's the way nature works. That's the gimmel, the cause and effect of the universe. Uh, They, they will be, if they will not stick with the herd when the wolf is in the field, that's what range sheep do. When the wolf comes in the field, they all gather. You know, I used to tell the story, we used to have a Mustang that stayed with the sheep all the time. And uh, it was just out there in the field. It wasn't walking with the sheep all the time, but they knew where each other were. And when a coyote came into a field, the sheep would all gather, because they're range sheep, they would all gather together, really tight group, and certain ones would be on the outside of the group, facing outward all the way around this circle. But they would run over and do that around the Mustang. So right in the middle, he couldn't even move. He was right in the middle of all the sheep. They included him in the herd. And so we didn't lose much to coyotes uh, under those conditions because there was this big black Mustang standing in the middle (laughs) of the sheep. And you would see him. I wish I had had a camera phone in those days. We had got got a great picture of the of that uh, big black Mustang standing in the middle of the sheep. But farm flock sheep, sheep that have been protected by the fences of the farmer, they don't gather like that. They might gather a little bit, but they're easy to scatter. And of course, that's what you're seeing in the Ukraine. And you'll see some gathering, you see some defense and everything, but if they successfully repel the Russians, they will still go back to being the poorest people in Europe, even though they have the richest country in Europe. Why? Because they don't understand Christ. They have churches there, but those churches aren't preaching the gospel of the kingdom and the way of Christ. They're preaching the doctrines of men. Now, I'm not, I can't say that about everyone. I don't know all the churches, but I, I'm familiar with some of the churches there. I'm familiar with some churches all over the world. And I see them not preaching some of the basic doctrines of Jesus. And I see it amongst uh, the Christians in Canada and the Christians in America. And they need to repent of that and start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But let's get into, at least get into it a little ways. We could go back over some of these other things uh, later. But... Um, uh, one of the things is uh, tithing in conscience in the Old Testament was not just some religious practice to fund the church in the wilderness. Uh, it was 
critical to a free society and the nation under God. This is what Moses was teaching the people how to do, is how to be a free society. They were coming out of the bondage of Egypt. You've all gone back in the bondage of Egypt because your churches haven't been teaching the truth. Uh, your history teachers in your public schools haven't been teaching the truth. Your history teachers in the parochial schools haven't been teaching the truth. And so you don't even know uh, why you're back into the bondage of Egypt. And... Uh, the this tithing in conscience that we see in the Old Testament, and that's actually from a chapter in the book, The Higher Liberty. The the reality is is that you're either taking away the choice of your neighbor, or you're giving choices to your neighbor. If you're taking away the choices to your neighbor, so that you can have free benefits, free welfare, free social insurance, all these things. You can expect, because of the cause and effect of the universe that God created, the gimel of God's creation, that as you judge, so shall ye be judged, and your liberty of choice will be taken away from you. So you can see, with that basic premise, that you will not be free until you start granting the right of Freedom of choice to other people. So this is why Moses set up the altars of this church in the wilderness. They weren't piles of stone. They were living altars of men. Look out amongst yourselves, find men you trust, as Peter says. Of course, that wasn't really an altar. He was actually creating a bank, tables. Because they couldn't move finances around because they were being excluded. Just like you're being excluded today. And so you need to find this other way. And we can get into a great deal of detail. But I won't do that on podcasts and radio broadcasts. Because I, I don't know what swines are out there listening <laughs> to, to what I'm saying. I will do that in the living network. Of those people who sit down like Christ commanded in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. And I will show you what I have learned. And some of you may show me what you have learned. And together... Because I'm not the seven men you trust. It's not right that I wait on tables. It's right that you find men you trust and create your own banks, which is what Peter was doing. But in order to do that, you must already be sitting down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands and learning to forgive, learning to give, to give the power of choice to other people in a righteous way that strengthens the poor which is something that the American churches and the Canadian churches and the Australian churches and the, many of the Chinese churches, I think you, in some of the Chinese churches you actually see semblances of the kingdom of God because of the oppression that they've been suffering. But all of the Chinese churches, no, that's not the case. And so anyway, we need to do that. And of course, that's what Moses set up. And we'll see if, as we look at this word, sunadesis, which is the word we see translated into conscience in, in the New Testament, uh, we see no word translated conscience in the Old Testament. But they had words that meant that. So even in the New Testament, there was this, a metaphor that was used in the New Testament, reigns and hearts, 
that we see in Revelations 2.23. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto everyone of you according to your works. So, the, we go back to Zephaniah. The destruction's coming because of the deeds of the Nicolaitans in the error of Balaam and the way of Sodom. And the way of Sodom comes about because of the Saul syndrome. These are all articles we've already written, uh, which we will see uh, referenced in some of these quotes, like in 1 Corinthians 8, 7, and and all these where they do use the word conscience, it seems to be rated, r- related to idols. Uh, unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. Because they're eating something from the temples of Rome. Well, the temples of Rome were the government buildings of Rome in which they conducted their social welfare system of free bread and elementa. And uh, they actually even provided some aid for education and for the elderly. Of course, the system of Corbin that was run through the the temple of the Pharisees was a similar system where you forced the contributions of the people. They had to pay in because they were registered. They had given their consent. And But they were guaranteed some sort of entitlement of benefit. But this caused the young sons to do no more aught for their parents. And made the word of God to none effect. Because it undermined the family. Which we go back to the beginning of this show. The family was the corporation of God. It's where two or two people, two or more because they have children... But two people, a man and a woman, are no more twain but one person. That's the definition of a corporation. Now, I'm not saying that they're a corporation in the sense of statutory corporation, but I'm saying that the, the, sense, that the statutes are always trying to emulate the, the natural patterns that we find in creation. They don't do a good job of it, but they... They are always trying to do it, and the reason they don't do a good job of it is they're creating these statutes, these regulations, these doctrines of men, these ordinances of men, because they're all eating of the tree of knowledge. But the reality is, is that undermining the family is essential to giving power to Beelzebub, which is what you are all doing. You are giving power to the Beelzebub of this planet. The the evil, the wicked one of this planet. He's going to have power over all the people of this planet. Except those people who repent and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because God will show you a way out. I'm not going to show it to you. I make reference to it, but I'm not going to show it to you. Because that's the tree of knowledge. Everything you're hearing out of my voice is from the tree of knowledge. It's only when you start hearing... My references to the Holy Spirit, and you start hearing the Holy Spirit in your own heart and mind, in your own reins and heart, as that we saw in Revelation, and those are the reins and hearts of Christ. 
where you will find the protection that you're looking for. So we have several quotes here uh, that actually use this word that they translate into conscience twice, like 1 Corinthians 8, 7. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol and their conscience being weak and defiled. And then we also see it used twice in 1 Corinthians 10.29. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? You see, that's, that's where you've now given the power to other men to decide what is good and evil for you. Why is this so? Is because you have not been following the doctrines of Jesus Christ. You've been following the doctrines of men. Your churches have been teaching you the doctrines of men. You know, that they're, the, the organizations, this is the home churches are all against what they call the IC, the institutional church. And so they, they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Christ did appoint a church, an ecclesia, a called out group to provide certain services. And when we point this out to a lot of the home churches, that the early church was providing all the social welfare. They were rightly dividing the bread from house to house, taking care of the needy of society. And we'll show you examples of that in 150 writings of the time, long before Constantine, how the church was operating, which is how the government of God was operating. They weren't ruling over you. They weren't dictating new doctrines that you had to believe and accept and and bow down to because that opens the door to the tree of knowledge and the control. Eating the benefits of the Roman and Greek temples, those temples, we have a link there, those temples were those government buildings. The Temple of Saturn, that's where you kept your birth certificate uh, to prove that you were eligible for the benefits. Uh, and Christians under Marcus Aurelius were persecuted because they would not get a birth certificate. But of course, they had a system of social welfare operating by charity, which was called private religion. And so they didn't need that. And so why would they register? Because they don't need those benefits. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with registering. I'm just saying that's what's going on. Same thing that was going on in the early church. You, I, I do not want you to be listening to me and creating a new conscience out of what I say. I want just to show you that you're not going... Deep down, a lot of people knew these things. This was I just got an email from somebody in Netherlands. And he wanted to order a couple books. And I wrote them back. And I, I actually paid for them. And I said, you know, it's going to cost as much as the value of the books to mail these to you. I will do that within this week if you want them. But I gave him the link to the books online. And I said I'd refund the money. Or if you still want hard copies, I will mail them to you. And he one of the things that he wrote back, he was very appreciative of that and everything, because we gave him the links to all the books. He was only buying two. And we refunded the money. And uh, the, 
the thing is he had never heard the things. It was higher liberty and the covenants of the gods. And he says it rings so true to him. He was actually born, I think, in Uganda or someplace, but he's he's Dutch. But uh, anyway, I, I looked him up. I seen his Facebook page. <laughs> so, but because uh, uh, I always like to know who I'm talking to and, and writing back and forth. But uh, it rang true in him. What does that mean? It, something in him was saying, this makes sense. If we covet our neighbor's goods, can we expect anything to have, it to have our goods coveted? If we are willing to take away, give power to the government to take away from our neighbor, are we not at the same time giving power to government to take away from us? If we have sat and ate with the rulers of the world, which were the temples of Rome and Greece, we sat down to eat their dainties, their benefits. Is it not to be expected that we will be eaten up too if we bite one another through those men use the teeth of government to bite our neighbor force our neighbor to contribute to public education so that we can have free schooling for our children where is our conscience in this where is the conscience of God our conscience have been seared we think that's okay it's not okay with God It's not okay with Christ. It's not okay with the doctrines of Jesus Christ. He said we were not to be that way. He said if you judge that that's okay, then it's okay to take away from you. And the day of judgment is built in. It's coming. It doesn't have anything to do with the Ukraine or the Russians or their new new, uh, cutting edge technology. It has to do with the Holy Spirit and the righteousness of God. The, The givers of grants... Gifts and gratuities are the greatest destroyers of liberty. Even pagan philosophers figured that out. So, what you want to do is reverse that process. And, of course, that's what Christ was showing us how to do. That appetite for the dainties, we have to go the other way. We have to fast from those dainties of the men who exercise authority one over the other. And if we're, if that doesn't do away with the need. The need still, still be, may be there. But if we do what Christ commanded, demand that the people organize themselves. When he commanded that his disciples make the people organize themselves in the tens, in ranks of tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. Five thousand men in their families, which means five thousand families. When he commanded that they do that, this was before the loaves and fishes. Well, like we said earlier in the show, the price of wheat is going up. <laughs> the price of barley is going up. The price of food is going up. There's going to be shortages and it's going to cost you twice as much to get what's there. And eventually you won't even be able to get what's there, depending on where you're at. So you're going to need another whole system, another whole government that's not insurrecting the government that exists there. But it's superfluous to it. And this is the kingdom of God. This is what the early Christians were doing. There was free bread in Rome during these dearths and, and, and economic collapses and food shortages. But we see Paul able to go to Corinth and Galatia and uh, Ephesus and Syria and bring aid. And know who to give the aid to and how it should be distributed. 
And then he called out certain people like in Corinth and said, you guys give less than the Galatians. And the Galatians are clearly a poorer community than the Corinthians. He calls them out on it. But that's still a free will offering. And we have so many people that are listening that are not joining the Living Network. They're not sitting down in the tens, fifties, hundreds of thousands. And time is running out. But, you know, I don't want to usher you into it by my motivation. I'm not a motivational speaker. But the reality is we have need of repentance. And we need to do just that. So, in, anyway, so we've covered a lot of this and we've got the basics of it. There's a lot more to it. And like I say, I will expand the article as we go and we'll get over to those others. But until then, all I can say is peace upon your house and God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.